thing I'm discovering lately I'm a bit crazy for my rugby league team Now the stage is set for the best season yet you'll see And you will hear me every week when I Welcome to the latest episode of the Rugby League Review podcast, hosted by me, Joe Appleyard, in collaboration with Prost Rugby League. I'm joined by Ethan Bolter-Ashcroft, and we'll soon be joined by Sean, who was a guest last week, and we'll be joined by Stacey Morford, who's live at the Shea for tonight's Betfred Championship game between the Halifax Panthers and Lee Centurions. That's on um, Premier Sports. Ethan, it's great to speak to you again, buddy. We haven't done a podcast in a while. Obviously, you've replaced Ben this week. How are you being... Not too bad, not too bad. A lot of action to talk about this week. Yeah, there is. And I think doing these weekly podcasts, that's the good thing. We know that we've always got loads to talk about because every week you've got incidents, the good, the bad and the ugly of Rugby League. And hopefully we can bring that to the viewers and the listeners and give our best um, opinions on it, can't we? But it's great to be speaking to you again, mate. And obviously when we get Sean on as well, we'll welcome him. But I think the big news is obviously that's came out today when we're recording this which is the 21st of March. And that's that Leeds Rhinos have announced that head coach Richard Agar has taken the decision to stand down from his role with the first team squad with immediate effect, but will have a future role at the club, which will be confirmed at a later date. Assistant coach Jamie Jones-Buchanan will be the new interim coach working with Sean Long and Richard Hunwicks during the rest of the existing rugby department ahead of this Saturday's Betfred Challenge Cup tie against the Castleford Tigers. Ethan, I think it was maybe a little bit naive, maybe from Leeds. I don't know. We've seen a lot of people, a lot of Leeds Rhinos fans complaining about Richard Agar. And I think that game, we'll speak about the Salford game soon, but maybe it was his time that was come to an end because even though they've had that Challenge Cup victory in 2020, you look at a team of Leeds Rhinos calibre and it hasn't really been working, as it, Emerald Headingley. For a team that does so much good stuff off the pitch, it's just not really working on the pitch for the Rhinos at the minute. No, I did watch the uh, Salford game on Friday night. And what hasn't helped him is his star players haven't performed either. The signings of Blake Austin and Aidan Caesar, that really was the excitement at the start of the season. A lot of journos actually tipped Leeds to do well. I think I put them in third with those signings, but they just haven't turned up. And to win one game out of his six is it's just not good enough what for Leeds expect. No, Sean, it's great to speak to you. You've finally joined us. You've switched to PC. How are you doing, mate? And what's your thoughts on Richard Agar, obviously being the first coach that's got the axe in 2022? Yeah, I'm doing well, mate. Thank you for getting me on once again. Um, I'm obviously a bit shocked by the Richard Agar um, well, departure because I think he was actually doing, like, doing really, really well. I think it's not out with the suspensions that he's had, the injuries that he's had to start players. So I would give him a, a bit more time. But I know from the Leeds fans I talked to, they're really... Happy with the departure? Yeah, they obviously came after the defeat against Salford on Friday night, and we will go into that game first. The tries from Ken Seo, Chris Atkin, Elijah Taylor and Mark Sneed. And Lee Geranos, the scorers there, was Mikolai Oledsky and Ash Handley. Salford picked up a 26 points to 12 victory on this front of the Sky cameras, Ethan. And I watched, I was watching OKR and Catalan on BN Sports and I watched the last 20 minutes when I saw three tries. And Leeds, you look at the players they've got and like you just mentioned there, it's the star players who aren't really turning up. You look again, Tetevano's gone and got a two-match ban. Blake Austin's been dropped. Aidan Caesar's not working as a seven. The money they've spent probably justifies why Richard Agar's been the first coach to lose his job. 
Absolutely. In this game, you need your marquee players to step up and perform, and that's exactly what hasn't happened at Leeds, and that's really, as you said, ultimately cost Richard Agar his job. The suspensions hasn't helped. The injury of uh, Richie Myler, who's been really good for them at full-back uh, over the past couple of seasons as well. There's, there's a few players that have been missing for him at suspension or injury that hasn't helped him, but the start hasn't been good enough, and that's why ultimately he's lost his job. Yeah, I mean, let's give some praise to Salford, Sean. They came off a defeat last week against Hulkingston Rovers, a game I was reporting on for Prost Rugby League. And I think Paul Rowley, he's got some decent players there. They've got a lot of journeymen, a lot of workhorses, but I thought Sneed and Brodie Croft worked really well together. And on the day, I think Salford can cause some damage against any team, really. And you saw that if you don't turn up, it doesn't matter who you're playing. And obviously, we're going to speak about a really big shock result later in the show. But in this division, you've got to turn up week in, week out, because you can be put to the sword against the teams like Salford, Toulouse or Catalan Saints. It doesn't matter who you come against. You need to be on your ear game in Super League. Yeah, and I actually tip Salford to come in the, in, the, in the top six, to be honest with you. Because I think Salford have quality all over the pitch. And their squad depth is probably one of the best in the Super League, if I'm totally honest. Um, obviously, they've got brilliant players like Brodikoff and Max Need. That's actually gelling now. I doing really well. Um, you've got Dion Cross, who came from Winness this season. You've got the new uh, centre, uh, Lafay, who came from Canterbury. He's again, who's a really, really good player. He's a real handful to the defences. Obviously, they, they missed it like Akawala on on Friday, which was a big miss for Salford. Yeah, it was, one, not it? And even still, I thought the forward pack really dominated and coming off a 26 points to 12 victory, it may get their season started. You never know. One result can change the fortunes of a rugby league club. And obviously, with Leeds Rano stepping down, there's been a few rumours. Shane Flanagan being in the running, Justin Morgan. There's a rumour that Tony Smith and Danny Maguire could join from Hulkingston Rovers. Ethan, if you was... Um, the Heverington family and the owners of Leeds Rhinos, where would you be looking to replace Richard Agar? I've seen today there's, there's a fair few names in the mix. Uh, a lot, one, that you a lot. One, one that you won't like, though, Joe, is Tony Smith with his contract up at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, and I know you want to keep him desperately. He's done really well at Rovers. Sean Wayne, another one that's been thrown about. Um, he, would he be a horrendous replacement? I don't know. Um, would his ties with Wigan? Is he happy with his? His role at Wigan, I think, possibly could be. And obviously, with the World Cup end of the year, he's got plenty to look forward to. It's one where it, what could excite Leeds fans, really, if they get someone in like Danny Maguire, young coach, you've got, but you've got to give him time. You know, you've got to accept that it's his first role as a head coach. So you've got to give him time. But for me, there's not going to be a, a sudden appointment. I think it'll take time for him to actually choose who they want to be as the next head coach. Yeah, I think being involved kind of in the whole KR camp, and I know they did a fans forum that I didn't get to a few weeks ago, and um, I heard Danny Maguire did say that, look, he's really enjoying the ride as assistant. He still thinks he's two or three years away from a head coach role. I think what Paul Lakin and Neil Hudgel want to do at Hull KR is maybe do what Wigan have done and have a few more years with Smith. Maybe he goes into a consultancy role and Danny Maguire takes over. Obviously, money talks. Every single Hull KR coach is out of contract at the end of this year. Sean, where do Leeds Rhinos go? Do you look abroad? Do you go somewhere in the UK? There's not many people out there, is the out of contract? A big shout is Justin Morgan, obviously a former Hulkingston Rovers coach, New Zealand Warriors assistant. I was lucky enough to do a podcast in lockdown with Justin and he said he was really interested in coming back to the UK. First choice, obviously, would be back in East Hull, but 
I think the money that Leeds Rhinos spend on players, maybe it's time to go big on a coach who can steer them in the right direction in this big picture plan because they just don't seem to have recovered since the loss of the golden generation, barring that Challenge Cup victory in um, 2020. Yes, and I think Leeds should go for someone like Tony Smith for Danny Maguire because Danny Maguire Wrong. knows they the club. Sean. Move on. <laughs> um, I think Tony <laughs> Smith has that. Um, I think he's one of the best Super League coaches we've ever seen, to be honest. Mm. He's done it with Warrington, done it with Leeds. So I think that Tony Smith deal would be good. And obviously with Danny Maguire to come in as 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 a assistant coach. Obviously, you've got a broad coaches just like Shea Fanagan. I think he could do a good job at Leeds. He's obviously been linked with him for a couple of years yeah. now. So I think he will so I think he will be one of the main priorities. Obviously, you've also got Danny Ward as well. Danny Ward can do a, like a good job for Leeds. So it all depends on who's the right man for the job. Yeah, I really did think Danny Ward, but I'm I think I'm right in saying that he's literally just took a role in rugby union about two weeks ago at a League One side. So we'll find that out. But I'm sure, obviously, again, money talks, but I'd be very surprised if Danny Ward, due to him moving to the cross code in the past few weeks. But we'll see. Let us know, guys. Who do you think should take over at Emerald Headingley after that 26 points to 10 defeat in Greater Manchester? So we will move on. We'll step back 24 hours and go to the DW. And Wigan Warriors piled on the misery of struggling Castleford Tigers, picking up a 32 points to 22 victory over the team from the Menderhose jungle. A second half comeback from the Tigers wasn't good enough as Zach Hardacre, a double from Liam Farrell, Ethan Havard and Jai Field scored for the Wigan side. Tries from Greg Eden, George Griffin, Jake Truman and Jake Mamo wasn't enough as Castleford still sit on two points in 11th place. Ethan, I'll come to you first. I did watch this game. I was was intrigued. I, I think what Cass have done the previous two weeks is they've let teams 18, 24 points in front and then start to start playing rugby and you just can't do that. As good as Cass are and as good as Castleford have got individual players, it doesn't matter if you're against Huddersfield, Wigan, who they have been over the past fortnight, you can't give teams that lead because it's very hard to come back because you know if you score three in the second half, you probably know Wigan are going to score at least one or two to peg you back a little bit more. And again, you talk about struggling coaches, just isn't working for Lee Radford and Andy last since the move to West Yorkshire so far. I think you're bang on, to be honest. You know, 18-0 down away at Huddersfield and he managed to get it back. Then Huddersfield went ahead again and ultimately won the game. Same with Wigan. Uh, it was, to be honest, I watched the game. It was it was a good game. Um, but the sad th thing about it is it's ultimately known as the game that Mahe Fenua got simbined and ultimately really shouldn't have been a sim binning. Yeah. It's getting a bit ridiculous. I know a few media people have already said about the sim binnings, the number of them and the sending offs. It's You want to see 13 versus 13 on the field. For Cass, it's, they've had a few new sign-ins. Lee Radford's come in. He's still trying to put his print on the side. You've got to give him time for me. Yeah, Sean, you've got to, aren't you? I mean, you don't, Radders getting the sack now would be ridiculous because where do Castleford go? I know rugby league fans are a bit hot-headed and you kind of jump the gun, especially when your team's not doing well. But I think for Castleford, he has got a squad there. He's made 11 changes. Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think Castleford have got to understand that this might be a long-term project. And yeah, we want short-term success. But ultimately, if Lee Radford gets sacked in the next few weeks, like they're all calling for, it's probably not going to make them any better. He's moulding his side, he's played six rounds of rugby, and he could have picked up three or four victories. It's just not working for him at the moment. But too early to call Lee Radford's time at Castleford, 100%. Yeah, and like, he's been out of the game for two years since his departure for FC, so you have to give him time. I think Castle looking a good outfit at the moment. 
especially in the, in, in the second half. I thought, they, I thought they come back into the game really, really well. But it seems like they want to play for 20 minutes each game. And obviously, everyone knows in rugby league, it's an 80-minute game. So if you only play for 20 minutes, you let, so you let your foot off the gas. And like, especially as a team like Wigan, Wigan will dominate you all over the pitch. It's like with Royalton at the minute, which we'll probably go, um, go into next, you have to give him time. Obviously, with, with him being out for so long, it's, it's going to take time. Obviously, like I said about the changes as well, like they got rid of 11 players to get 11 players, so it's obviously going to, it's going to take time. Yeah, it really is. And I think one player who deserves a lot of credit, Ethan, a player who I like and I've seen grow up, he had time at Hulkingston Rovers when at, you know, six, seven years ago, is Greg Eden. And he only gets called on a few games of the season. But when he plays, he's some like I think how he's not a starter in that team, for me, I think Daryl Olfelt's really struggles. I don't get the hype around this Daryl Olfelt's. I think he jumps the gun too many times in defence, especially with a centre like Mahir Fanoa, who's predominantly done that for Hull FC over the past two stints he's been there. But for me, Greg Eden, on his day, there's not a winger who can match him. If he was playing regularly, there's no reason why he wouldn't be again top try scorer like he was in 2017, getting a call up for Sean Wayne because I think he's one of the most underrated players in the game of rugby league, especially in the top flight at the moment. I don't know if you agree. He's a finisher. He's yeah. a fast he's a finisher, and that's what you need. He showed in that 2017 season uh, how, how much of a finisher he is. He showed the other week at home to Hull FC's hat-trick, ultimately won cast of the game. With regards to Olfitz, I think he potentially gives more going out in the own in your own 20. Um, I don't think Eden's as much as a strong ball carrier than Olfitz is, but as you said, I think we saw he, his break. Uh, I think it's the first half away at Wigan. The pace he got, as soon as he gets a yard, he's gone. He's uh, and that's what you need to really get away and it's in support, and you're going to score. For me, I think he is. If you get, if you give him week in week in action, he can be right up there with some of the best wingers in the competition. Yeah, totally agree. You know, we'll watch out for Greg Eden and the Castleford Tigers. It just wasn't to be in round six. They lost 32-22 at the DW Stadium. So we move on to the south of France that was played at the same time as the game against Salford and Leeds. And it was Catalan Dragons against Hulkingston Rovers, a repeat of last season's semi-final. And the result went the same way. It was the team from Perpignan who picked up an 18 points to 10 victory. Both teams scored the same amount of tries in two, with tries from veterans Ryan Hall and Kenny Dowell crossing for the Robins and just the one conversion from Jordan Abdul and Fuad Yaha and Joe Chan crossing for Steve McNamara's men and Sam Tompkins getting five conversions. Lads, I watched this game and again, I'll take my Rovers hat off. I really think Rovers bottled this two, these two points. I don't know if you've seen the highlights. That only shows a snippet of the game, Ethan, but the Hulkingston Rovers that we probably saw last year turned up and I was watching it at home with a few friends and we was really frustrated from a fan's point of view. I thought we had the chances when um, Pierce got yellow carded. They didn't really capitalise on that. And like many teams in Super League, you need to rely on your overseas players. And Hulkingston Rovers, barring Sean Kenny Dowell, it's the English lads who are doing all the work. It's the lads who aren't picking up big money on the cap who are turning up. And the likes of Corbin Sims, Albert Vette, we know about Brad Takarangi and Lachlan Coote. Matt Parcell dropped out the squad as well. So Rovers only had 
two quarter spots players in the south of France. It's just not working really for them lads at the minute. And I think Rovers are just too inconsistent. And when they want to turn up, a bit like Castleford, they're unbelievable and can play anyone off the park. But when they're off the game, it is like watching an NCL team sometimes in attack. It's just very individual from OKR at the minute. And I know Tony Smith isn't happy at the way his team are going around. He's not asking enough questions, as Tony Smith likes to say. And unfortunately, that was a game that's probably gone away from all Kingston Rovers because you won't get a better chance to beat Catalans in the south of France, I'll tell you that. Well, I know you've just said you're taking your Rovers cap off, but I'm going to make yeah. it back on. And I'm going to say, is that two points missed from a Rovers perspective? Yeah, I believe so. I think if you're watching the full game, Rovers had a big spell probably from the last 20 minutes of the first into the 20 minutes in the second. And I'd say 70-30 was possession in the red and whites or yellow and blues as it was on the day. But I think Catalan just showed that clinicalness that got them to the grand final last year. And yeah, there was parking the bus in football terms and on the counter-attack. But when they, they had two opportunities and scored two times, and that's probably the sign of a very good team. Even when you're not at your best, you can pick up points against a good team in Hull KR, Ethan? I think Hull KR are a kind of a bogey team for the Dragons. I was at the first game of the season last year when Hull KR did that dramatic comeback and then lost in Golden Point as Sean Maloney dropped goal. But every time they play each other, I think KR have got their number and they just just don't get over the line to get that victory. And what I think you were... How many points was it you were ahead last year away at Catalans at 20-odd points you were ahead at half-time? Yeah, I think it was 24-6 at half-time. Yeah, so you had a significant lead and Catalans came back and got the victory, but you're very close to getting that win against him. You just can't get over the line. Yeah. Sean, what was your take on the game? Obviously, I know you wouldn't have watched it, but you, you must have seen the highlights. Catalan are a tough team to beat at the Stad Gilbert Brutis, but like I previously mentioned, you're not going to get a better opportunity to beat Catalan. And maybe that game could come back to haunt Hull Kingston Rollers because I know Tony Smith, who was speaking to the press after the game, definitely believed that it was two points lost for the Red and Whites. Also, like I said last week, I think they've started like really, really poorly. Um, obviously, none of the big players were turning up. But ever since that Whiting game three weeks ago, I think they've turned into a different side. They look, they're, they look a really bad handful, if I'm so honest with you. Mm. Um, I think Tompkins actually coming back out of his shell. Mitchell Pierce seems to, have, it, it seems to have gelled with the team now. I think they're going to be some stopping now, if I'm totally honest. Uh, but like I said on the group chat to you guys, it sounded like Kayao did really, really well. And it's probably a shame that you didn't get the two points because you look at this game um, back in September and you think that's what might get us to playoffs or even so far. Hmm. Yeah, real humdinger. And like you said, Ethan, there has been some really good clashes between the two. The, the recent one, obviously an 18-10 points to victory for the Catalan Dragons. We'll move up the table and Hulkingston Rovers still sit on four points. We are going to turn away from the Betfred Super League and be joined by our Championship correspondent and Women's Rugby League player Stacey Morfer, who is at the Shea for tonight's game. Stacey, can you hear us? Is it good connection there? Yeah, yeah it's pretty decent. It might be a bit loud background, but it's, I can hear you okay. No, that's absolutely fine. Thanks for joining us on the show. Obviously, you are at the Shea tonight, a real humdinger. It's Halifax against the Lee Centurions, live on Premier Sport. How do you think it's going to go? It should be a really good game for the TV. It'll definitely be a good game. Um, on paper, you'd say Lee, but you never know. You never know. You never know what's that, what Panther side's going to show up. 
No, obviously you're affiliated with the Halifax side. You've been doing a bit of work today. Can you tell us about, you've been going into schools, I believe, and you correct me if that's wrong, but tell us about the yeah, great work that Halifax do because these championship clubs, they're in the heart of the community in these teams and it's vital what they do. It is, yeah. We've got a lot of community clubs in this area and a lot of local schools that don't really know about the game. So what the Panthers have been doing is going into schools different kind of areas and getting the kids involved, just, just teasing them a little bit with rugby league, get them interested. And today we've been doing the World Cup tour. We've had the men's rugby league, the women, uh, sorry, World Cup, the women's World Cup, and also the wheelchair World Cup. We've had representatives from each of the sides, and we've been going to local schools, colleges, giving them the history of the World Cup. When it went missing for 20 years and nobody nobody knew where it was, it was found in the bin line next to the road, <laughs> stuff like that that you wouldn't you wouldn't know. Um, and they're actually on display behind me, further behind me, um, and they've given tickets away to the schools as well for all the kids that would probably not normally come to get them involved as well. Oh, no, that's absolutely brilliant. So let's move on to the game tonight. Obviously, Halifax sitting in 11th place. Only one victory um, out of four games, just beating the London Broncos. Lee Centurions, we've seen them most weeks on Premier Sports. They've got a tie on Saturday in the Challenge Cup that they might have one eye on. What do the Panthers have to do to spoil it, you know, create an upset tonight and beat the inform Lee? Because it should be a cracking game if Halifax turn up, like you previously mentioned. Yeah. They just need to turn up from the first minute. It's been the trend in a lot of the games where they haven't got going until 30, 40 minutes into the game and against a side like Lee or any of the sides in the championship, you just can't do that. You need to start and have that belief from as soon as the whistle goes, which like I say in previous, they haven't but if they can turn up, as soon as they kick off, they need, I think they'll be in a decent, decent chance for tonight. Yeah, let's hope so, because I think when the Premier Sports cameras are in town, we just want our game to be portrayed in the best manner. How have you found it? And obviously a big night for Halifax, the first time they'll be on Premier Sports. The coverage has been brilliant, hasn't it? And I think it's now at Halifax's turn to create a bit of a party atmosphere. I know they've done a lot of stuff on social media. It should be a great night in West Yorkshire. Yeah, it's definitely building. You find it sounds it's been a bit slow start getting people in. Obviously, the results haven't been there, but tonight... People are turning up, they've got more things going on in the fan zone, they've opened earlier. Every fan can come in no matter what stand you're in. So it's really building up into a, you can't really see a lot behind me, but there's a party atmosphere going on. And I think the fact that the cameras are walking about the crowds, it's getting everybody excited. Yeah, brilliant. Obviously, you're reporting for us at Prost tonight, so good luck with that. Can you give us a score prediction before we let you get back into the press box and get prepped for the big game? I'm going to go 26-18, Lee. Oh, well, we will see. Whatever it is, it's going to be a really good game and I'm looking forward to watching it on Premier Sports when we've finished up on this podcast. Stacey, thank you for joining us. Hope you can come on as a guest when obviously you're not reporting for Prost. Enjoy the game and keep up the good work with the women and the community game. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. See you later. Bye. Thank you. So, guys, that was Stacey Morfitt from The Shear reporting for Prost RL on tonight's game between Halifax and the Lee Centurions. And we will move back into the Betfred Super League roundup. We were just speaking of Lee, Joe. Uh, yes, go on, About right, we announce our guest coming on the podcast on Wednesday, really. Oh, speaking, go on, man. Lee Centurions and how, how it links well. We'll, we'll we are very happy to announce that we have Lee Centurions owner Derek Beaumont join us on the podcast on Wednesday evening. 
Joe, myself, along with Kieran, who was uh, will be joining us. We'll have a chat with Derek on the, uh, Wednesday night and the podcast hopefully out later this week. So please do listen to that when it's out. Yeah, there'll be some great stories, won't we? I'm really looking forward to speaking to him. He's a real character, isn't he? A bit like Kukash. You've got Adam Pearson, Neil Hood, Joe McManus. These chairmen are quite involved with the game. Like I mentioned to Stacey there, it is a community game. So you know these chairmen. You compare it to football and you can see them in the street where you're from and stuff. It's a lot different. And yeah, really looking forward to that podcast, mate. And obviously we'll pump it and we'll spread the word when this is finished. But Derek Beaumont joins us on the next Rugby League review. So stay in touch with that one. So we will move on to the Saturday games and we will start with the first one. That was on Channel 4 and it was at the Halliwell Jones and it was between the Warrington Wolves and Wakefield Trinity, the um, the Caretum Razor for next week's Challenge Cup game. And it was the side from West Yorkshire who picked up the victory of 38 points to 22 um, win for Wakefield Trinity. Tries from Liam Hood, Jordy Crowther, Corey Hall, Matty Ashurst, Mason Lino and Morgan Escarier was enough to pick up the two points in Warrington. The tries scorers for the Wolves was Matty Ashton who scored on the two-minute mark. Toby King, Danny Walker and Josh Fewley. Sean, I will come to you first. Obviously, being a Warrington fan and being reporting for Pros for Warrington and stuff like that. Now, you, we spoke about it last week. I tipped Warrington. You tipped Warrington. So did Ben. What went wrong? Because I only saw about 40, 50 minutes of it, including the second half. Again, it's early doors for Warrington, but you could say the same about Wakefield. They're transitioning with Willie Poaching. What's not working at the minute for Warrington Wolves, in your perspective, as a fan being at the game and speaking to other spectators and fans of Warrington? Uh, what didn't go wrong on Saturday? I just think the lack of pack is really affecting Warrington at the moment. It's like... They're very, very light in the pack. And there's not many players who want to play for the club, I don't think. There's uh, there's no passion, really, at, at the minute. There's no pride, there's no fight, there's no nothing at the moment. And I'm seeing Warren fans saying to get Powell out after six games, which is just horrendous, to be honest with you. I don't understand why that is. I would never say that uh, after six games. But I think the game on Sunday is crucial in the Challenge Cup to kickstart our season. If we win on... Sunday, I think we'll do good from there. Yeah, like we said, one game just changes it, doesn't it? But a massive win, Ethan, for Wakefield, who have been struggling. Obviously, just picked up narrow victories, even against Toulouse, and they've been probably one of the favourites to be in the bottom four. But again, it just shows, with the likes of Riesling, Tom Johnson, these guys who can turn up and create a spark, when that when they scored them three tries in quick succession, they'd have done that against anyone. They put Warrington to the sword and fair play because I don't think many people had tipped Wakefield to take the two points back to Bellevue. No, not at all. Uh, I was there midday uh, on Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry. Uh, mm. And Wakefield, apart from the first two minutes where Matty Ashton raced about seventy meters and showed just how fast he is for a great individual try, Wakefield were brilliant on that after after that. I've actually spoken to Riesling since that, and he was he was made up of his, his size performance. They were mm. brilliant from start to finish. I thought Jacob Miller and uh, Mason Lino were superb. Yeah, in both defence and attack, they battered as uh, Sean said. I think Warrington's pack really struggled. They made easy, easy meters. Wakefield downfield, and everything the gate uh, Warrington threw it in the second half. They managed to deal with, it and then ultimately scored three late tries and got a deserved victory in my eyes, to be honest, even though it shocked a lot of a lot of fans. Uh, and now they'll be looking at doing that again come Sunday. Yeah. It's, a bit the... joke, but it's like David uh, Fafita said in the um, Channel 4 
post-match interview. Their game plan was to batter our pack, and yeah. they did that. And I thought their um, halfbacks, Mason Eno and Jacob Miller, like I said last week, I think they're one of the best halfback partnerships in the Super League, and they just bossed the likes of Riddup and Williams all around the pitch. Yeah, it really led me into that next question, Sean. You flipped to the halfback pairing that the Warrington Wolves have. That's two players in George Williams and Gareth Widdup who have won numerous trophies. Widdup's played over 100 games in the NRL, both looking to play six and seven for Sean Wayne's England squad at the end of the year. At the moment, they're probably really down the pecking order because, yeah, they're playing with a beaten pack, but even still, the money they're on and the calibre of player they are, they really can't string a move together. That's what I've noticed about a lot of teams in Super League when I was at Hull FC in Huddersfield on Sunday, which I'll discuss soon. It's unstructured play, constantly just hoping for a little bit of magic off a player. You've got to earn the right to win in Super League. And I don't think Warrington are doing that at the minute, Sean, I'll be honest. Again, I know they're very weak in the pack, but you've got to match them, aren't you? A team of Warrington's calibre and status, you've got to be a little bit better. Yeah, we're playing as like a bad team at the minute. We're meant to be a big club, but now we're like a championship team at the minute. I think Williams is trying, but mm. I think it's Gaz went up in the in the in the story that he's just not pulling over his way. He looks disinterested. He's just guessing passes. Like for um, I think it was Jay Pierce's try. He rushed out. Like as a player, when you're a young boy, it's like you get told never to, to rush out, and he just did. And I don't know why. Um, and I think kicking game as well for Watson just really really poor at the minute. I think they're just doing one kick and it goes straight into the fullback's arms. Yeah. Morgan Escarier, Ethan's on loan from Salford Red Devils. He doesn't look like he can get a game at the AJ Bell. He's rejuvenated his career, hasn't he? He was on loan from um, at Wakefield a few years back or maybe last year. He looks like he could probably extend. I'm sure Wakefield will want to. He's probably... That's a perfect fit for Morgan Escarier because we, he was promised so much when he was at Catalan as a youngster. We know what his journey's been heading to Wigan and it just hadn't worked out the same at Salford. But for me, I think Escarier and Wakefield really go well together and he can add a bit of flair to this Wakefield side, which they've probably been lacking because they've dominated so much on the likes of Tiriorona, Fafita, Kelepi Taganoa. They're a very forward-based side, but with the likes of Lynn Johnson and now Escarier, they can definitely cause some upsets in this division, I believe. Yeah, Escari at um, Catalans, he was superb. Yeah. As you said, not worked out with Wigan. Salford is the same, but he was brilliant on uh, Saturday. Really well. Every high ball took an, an attack. He threatened down the sides. They couldn't really handle him. And if, if they can keep him for probably the remainder of the season, if not longer, it'll be a great asset to their team. And the pace he adds from that back line with obviously Johnston one side and the, the players they've got down the, the right edge, it'll be a great signing. For them, I think now after two wins back to back, they'll be looking at the table and who they can catch. Before the Toulouse game, themselves and Toulouse hadn't picked up any victories, so everyone thought it would be between Toulouse and Wakeford who occupies that bottom spot. But now they'll be looking for this, definitely looking at the sides above them and who they can catch going into the next Super League game. Yeah, 100%. I think it was the underdog who picked up the victory at, um, at the Halliwell Jones Stadium with Warrington Wolves, defeated 22 points to 38 against Wakefield Trinity. And then a game happened in the south of France that was Toulouse against St Helens and you'd have put your mortgage 
on the team from Lancashire picking up the two points. But that is why we love Rugby League. Toulouse picked up their first points of the season against the unbeaten champions, 22 points to 20. Tommy Makinson, Josh Sim, Jack Wellsby and Dan Norman crossed for Christian Wolfe's men. But two tries from Matty Russell. Dominic Peru crossed against his former side. Chris Hankinson and Paul Marcon in the 78th minute was enough for Sylvan Houllier's men who um, collected their first win of the season. Sean, how did this happen? It happened in 2019 when the Saints were beaten twice by London Broncos, newly promoted. It's happened again, even though they did rest a few players and they had a few injuries. That St Helens team, you'd have expected to wipe the floor and I know a lot of people did, but fair play to Toulouse. And that's this season now has just got a lot more interesting at the bottom of the table. Yeah, and you've always got to believe in rugby league, haven't you? Against a top side like Saints. Like, you can't go into the game with no confidence. You've got to go in, into that game with full confidence and that you think you're going to win. And Toulouse did that to a T. Obviously, like you said, Saints were missing big, big players like Wormsley and that. But you can only play what's in front of you. And Toulouse matched them in all uh, pieces. I think it's just to some Saints fans and saying that they were really, really poor. Which it sounded like they were. They weren't completing any sets. They, like, they weren't doing nothing like they usually did. But I think that loss has come good for Saints because they were never going to get like go unbeaten, were they? Um, but I think that. But I think for, from now, I think they'll win some more games and probably by some margin. I think the game on Saturday against Whitehaven is going to be a <laughs> not not a very nice game for Whitehaven. No, I do feel for them. Ethan, how much confidence will this put into Toulouse Olympic? They've had rubbish off-season. Jonathan Ford and Mark Carella leaving. They've recruited in um, Oli Ashall Bolt, who's been really vital for them at fullback. A lot like Escaray has been for Wakefield that we've just touched on. But them celebrations at the end, that's why we love rugby league, don't we? You look at the cross-code rugby union Italy beating Wales at the weekend, the celebrations there, the massive underdogs, very much like Toulouse have been. And how good is it to see that they've beaten the champions and now teams aren't just taking them as a two-point, you know, an easy two points. It's going to do so well for the game of rugby league and the, especially in the Betfred Super League now because teams like Leeds, Cass, Salford, everyone will be worried about Toulouse Olympique from now on. Well, who doesn't love an underdog story? Yeah. I think, to be honest, it was almost the way it was a surprising win. I don't think anyone expected it. But if you look at Toulouse's last home game, where they took Wigan right to the death, they took a Harry Smith drop goal to get the victory for the Warriors. It shows that over in France, just like Catalans have, it's a different field, a different, a different atmosphere. You obviously witnessed the atmosphere when KR went over to the Perpignan for the semi-final. And what those French fans can provide is that atmosphere players aren't really used to because it's something different to what we have in England. For Toulouse, their home form is always going to be vital this season for them to stay up. They had to pick up victories at home and then get the odd win possibly here and there away from home to give themselves the best chance of staying up. But after the opening few rounds where everyone thought, you know, they're going to get beat, pummeled really each week, they've, they've... Dug deep, taking Wigan to the close. Only lost by was it eight away at Wakefield? Yes, of a week, and now they've got the, the first victory of the season. They've got a week off this week without taking part in the Challenge Cup, which could benefit them. Mm. And then obviously they go again. I'm not sure who exactly they have uh, next week in the Super League, but they were looking to go back to back victories. I think it's yeah, 
Is it cast? Tigers, yeah. What a massive game that is, Sean. Do you know what I mean? One result can change. And if you're Castleford and Lee Radford now, if you get beat by Toulouse, they'd go above them and Cass would be bottom of the league. It's these little swings and roundabouts, isn't it? And that should be a real cracker. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a must-win game for both teams, like you've just yeah. said. I think if um, Cass play like they did against Hull FC, I think they'll win. But you can never know with that Toulouse side and will Toulouse to up at other people's grounds. Like, you, you never know, do you? But uh, I think the game on Saturday was crucial for Toulouse to get that um, two points and to gain confidence for the rest of the season. Yeah, and well done to Sylvan Hooley and Toulouse Olympico recorded their first win of 2022, picking up a 22-20 victory over St Helens. And the last game of the weekend was in West Hull at the MKM Stadium, a game I was reporting and doing a match thread for Prost International and Prost Rugby League. Check out my report there. And it was the Black and Whites of Hull FC who picked up a 14 points to 6 victory over the informed Huddersfield Giants. Vulikini Japani, and yes, of course, it was him who scored from our reports because it's a name I do struggle with. And Andre Savelio crossed for Brett Hodgson's men and a consolation try from Chris McQueen, who took his tally to six as a second row already in Super League. Fantastic st stats by the former England second row, and he might be knocking on the door of Sean Wayne's side again with that strong Australian voice, of course. But the talking point, the main talking point of the game was the incident that happened in the 68th minute. Ethan, I'll come to you first. We've all seen it. A red card for Will Price on Connor Wynn. It took me by surprise. I thought it was Tuil Olahea from the West Stand Up Air. I didn't see it properly until I've watched it back on the highlights, but even still seeing it in the flesh. And on YouTube now, it don't get any better. And I think Will Price will be sitting in the stands for a few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I, we've had Will on the podcast and he was a really, really nice bloke. Great to talk to. I don't think that is in his game. I think it's just a, as I think Stacey said um, yesterday, it was just a, a brain fart moment mm. in terms of it. Yeah. Yes, it was, a, it was a nasty one. Looking back on the replays, that every time you watch it, it doesn't get any better for him. I think he'll... I think it's a great F he got today uh, on the tribunal. So it'll be a fair few games in the stand. But something as a young player, he'll, he'll learn from. And obviously, hopefully, when he gets back playing, he can show just on the pitch what talent he, he has. Yeah, I totally agree. Sean, it was a bit of a scrappy game. Defences, especially Hull FC's, was on top. Both teams didn't really provide much entertainment in attack, but still Hull FC grounded the victory. That took them to eight points. And to say they've got six or seven players out missing and they're all first teamers, they're doing it tough, but they are grinding out these results. Hull FC have been predominantly known to start well and finish poorly. But at this moment in time, you can only judge on what they've done. And uh, you know, I was in the presser at the end and Brett Hodgson was impressed. He spoke to Wumberside Radio and said, you know what? He said, we're doing it hard, we're doing it tough, but I'm going out there. The good lads are going out there and picking up the victory. And I think that's all you can ask for at the minute. I thought Huddersfield really struggled, even when there was down to 12 men and 13 men, but a vital win for Hull FC. Because I think what Rovers, Hull, Huddersfield, the middle of the pack teams, their aim is to get fifth and sixth and be the best of the best of the middle bunch. And at the minute, Hull FC are probably that on form after six rounds. Now, me and you said uh, last week, we said we're going to go for a Huddersfield win. But um, yeah, Hull FC, they're doing well, aren't they? At the minute, obviously, they had that blip against uh, St. Helens back in round two. Like I said, they start really, really well, but finish poorly. But you, but you can't say what they're going to do at the end of the year, can you? Because we're only in March. Um, obviously, with that wheel price tackle, uh, I think it's going to get a very hefty ban, I think. Um, 
it's disgusting to see that. But like Ethan said, I don't think that's in his game. Um, I think he's a very, very nice guy. Obviously, I played, uh, played against him once or twice b before. Um, but yeah, I think um, what I say, they do well at the minute, aren't they? Um, obviously, with Jake Connor just scoring up that, that assist tally. Um, I think Andres Savelio as well getting six tries, like you said. Uh, so far, he's in some form. I'm probably going to get in, into that England squad come uh, October, November. Yeah, there's definitely players knocking on the door, isn't there? And I think if you're going off the first six rounds, you really don't know what that team's going to be. That'll definitely be for another day. But of course, that was the final game of round six and it was a 14 points to six victory for the black and whites of Hull FC. So we will now do a quick overview of the Betfred Championship and the games that took place yesterday was Workington Town 12, Bradford Bulls 26, Barrow Raiders and London Broncos drew 18 points to all, 18 points all. Batley and Featherstone also drew and that was a 2020 thriller at the Foxes Biscuit Stadium. Newcastle Thunder picked up a 24-22 victory over struggling Dewsbury Rams. Whitehaven were put to the sword by Sheffield Eagles, who picked up a 44 points to six victory in Cumbria. And a bit of a turn up for the Bucks was York City Knights thumping the Witness Vikings, 32 points to six. The Betfred Championship table stands with Featherstone on top with 11 points. Barrow, Lee, who are yet to play their play tonight. Witness, York, Sheffield, Bradford, Newcastle, Batley, Whitehaven, Halifax, Dewsbury, London and Workington. Ethan, let's just talk about the Championship because I love the division. I love the fact it's on Premier Sports. I think the coverage there with Ross, with Emma, with Kevin, Leon Price and Mark Wilson is unbelievable. I think it's doing wonders for the second tier. There's some really good teams in this division and I love watching it. I think these players deserve a lot more credit than Super League because they'll go wait 10 hours and then put on a performance like that. But at the moment, I think if you're looking at coming up, the surprise package has been Barrow Raiders. They've still unbeaten. They've drawn one, which was the first draw this um, was yesterday, but still four victories and they're sat two points behind Featherstone Rovers. And you look at the money these teams are spending, the likes of Lee, the likes of Featherstone, the gap is absolutely huge. And for teams like Batley and for teams like um, Sheffield and Barrow for them to be doing so well so early it must be very pleasing for the small number of supporters at these championship teams club because it's um, have because it's going to be a really interesting division I think with the aim of promotion at the back end of the year yeah definitely I think at the start of the season everyone said it's between Lee or Featherstone and with Featherstone winning on Premier Sports against Lee a few weeks ago everyone said it was going to be it come down to those two games, and when Featherstone come to go back, go to Lee Sports Village, it come down to who who wins these games. But yesterday showed Batley twenty, Featherstone twenty, so it, it's not as as set in stone as it everyone expects. That's uh, a great result for Batley at home. Uh, I don't know what sh I'm, I'm not really looked into um, what Featherstone side they had up, but any side they put on the field, it been it'd have been significantly stronger than Batley and the cap they have. And the players they have, you'd expect Featherstone to have walked over, and that's a great result from from Batley. Uh, and for Barrow as well, I don't think anyone saw them at the start of the season how well they do with four games in and, and like, right up there with Batley uh, and Featherstone and Lee. So it's it's great to see the the lower sides without the high cap competing with the top sides. Yeah, there's some real gems in the Sean in this division, like individually again, predominantly going to Hulkingston Rovers. We've signed Frankie Halton and Tom Garrett, and Frankie Halton was playing NCL for Siddle um, for 
yeah, Fev Lyons or Siddle, wherever it was. I always get him and Garrett mixed up where they played. But even still, there was playing in the National Conference four years ago. Frank Howlton's missed one tackle in six games. He's been Hull KR's probably best forward. And it just shows if you're playing in that division and you work, there is still a chance that you can get picked up later in your career. And I think the likes of dual registration, there's so many clubs who do it. You look at um, Every Doro from your perspective as a Warrington fan who's doing really well at Witness. And um, there's a player for Halifax called Lachlan Wormsley, who I really like. He came from one of the Cumbrian teams. It just shows that the Championship, yeah, it's still a bit away from Super League, but there is some absolute cracking teams in this. And it's a division that is um, finally getting its recognition on TV and showing the world and showing the audience, which has been getting some really good figures, just how good these semi-pro players can be. Obviously, I'm not really that into Championship, but I do take a good note of it. Obviously, mm. like you said, um, there's a couple of players from the Championship that I want I want to probably review at KR. Um, obviously, was as I me mean, as a wife fan, I'd probably say look at the prop forwards. But yeah, like I said, the dual registration's good for teams like uh, your Halifax and your Witness and your York. I think York was a standout fixture uh, uh, yesterday, beating Witness by that much. Yeah. Obviously, Witness are probably one of the top three uh, your things to come up. Uh, but, but besides that, I think it's in between in between Lee and Fev, and we'll see how Lee get on in about twenty minutes time. Yeah, really interesting game, isn't it, Ethan? We just spoke to Stacey about 20 minutes ago. Halifax against Lee Centurions at the Shea on Premier Sports in, yeah, 30 minutes until kickoff. I do think Lee will obviously have one eye on the Challenge Cup, but this is a game that could be a real test for um, Lee Centurions. It's, it's one of them, I think, going to a place like Halifax for Adrian Lamb's men, if they want to come back up, They've got to be beating teams like this. And you look at their lineup, the likes of Caleb Aitkins, Nene McDonald, Keenan Brand, Ben Reynolds, Joe Meller, Adam Sidler, who I absolutely love Adam Sidler. I think he should be playing Super League. He is a no-nonsense prop forward. I really like my Monday nights and it makes the start of the week a lot easier. What's your thoughts on tonight's game? I think if it was at least Sports Village, it would be definite Centurions win. But the mm. fact that it's at the Shea and the atmosphere they can have and build there gives it a bit more of a level playing field. I think it's still in the balance to Lee for away victory. But if Halifax can start well, just like um, Stacey said earlier, if they can start well and continue for the full 80 minutes rather than the first half an hour being poor and then starting to play, they can give Lee a, a big game, a, a tough game as well. But I do think Adrian's Lambside will pick up the victory. And with Wednesday in mind, I think it will be a better mood if Lee get the win with, with Derek but if they ultimately lose then it's a couple of challenging questions as to where Lee go from here and what they expect for this season. Yeah it could be a bit angry coming on Wednesday if Halifax pick up the two points knowing Derek. So we will move on to this week's games it is the biggest rugby league competition of them all in my opinion still. It is the Betfred Challenge Cup round six lads we will go through all the fixtures and then finish on the championship games there's still a few teams playing this weekend in their respective league and of course league one a few games start this week the first game of the Challenge Cup is on Friday night and it is a Betfred Super League Two beat teams from the Betfred Super League. It's Wigan against Salford Red Devils. I am going to say, even though Salford have picked up a really good victory, I just think Wigan and the Cup go hand in hand. They'll be looking at that as a main possibility this year to get to Tottenham and to pick up the trophy for the first time in a few years now. But for me, Ethan, I think Wigan by about 18. 
yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I'm, I'm going to be at the DW to watch this one. Uh, I think 18. I think I'm going to go a little bit less. I think Wigan by 14. And the Salford side have impressed me. And one in particular that we haven't mentioned earlier in the show was Ryan Briley. The sign of him, he's a, last year showed even the least struggled. He was their best player all season. And it's a great yeah. signing for Salford. Salford lad as well. So he's, he's really enjoying his time there. Uh, but I think Wigan at home as well will have just too much for this Salford side. Yeah, he's a really nice bloke as well, Ryan. I did a talk show with him when I was at, um, at Hulkingston Rovers a few years back and he was a really nice guy. And he struggled against Rovers the other week, but even still, he's a really good player on his day. And there's not many people faster than Ryan Browley, I'll tell you that. I've seen him in full flow and it's a great sight to see. Sean, Lancashire Clash, round six. Is it the Red Devils or the Pies? Who's picking up the two points? I'm and two points in. moving on to the next round, I do apologise. I'm going to go in the middle. I'm going to say Wigan by 16. I think this is Wigan's first home game in the Challenge Cup since 2013. And that was when they last won it. So, yeah. coincidence. Wow, that's a good start. That's a weird it's going to be stats today, isn't he? Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first home game in the I Challenge Cup so, yeah. 2013. I wow. think so. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, we will move on to the weekend games and starting at 2pm on Saturday the 26th of March at the LEL Arena in Cumbria is Whitehaven who are bottom of the Championship against St Helens, the top team in Super League. Ethan, they're coming off a bad result. There'll be a few people wanting to change their fortunes after the defeat in the south of France. If the pitch holds up and the weather is nice as it has been the past few days, it could be a demolition job, I do think. St Helens by about 60. Yes. it. This one really depends on what Saints side is put out. Do they risk, you know, the, the, your Jack Wells speech, your, your Johnny Lomax on a pitch that you know is already going to be poor poor compared to what they play on week in, week out? Yeah. Uh, I think it could be about less than that, depending on what side. It really depends on what side they put out. Uh, I'd go Saints by 40. Saints by 40. Sean, what do you think? Of course, I know what team you're going to pick, but how many points do the champions win by? Uh, Saints by 72. 72. Wow, yeah. you're not giving them any leeway there. So that should be a really good game. I am looking forward to watching that. It's nice to see that a team like Whitehaven will get a lot of travelling support over from Merseyside and they'll go up north to Cumbria. It should be a really interesting affair. The next game is the Sheffield Eagles against Hull FC, who are playing at Featherston due to Sheffield's pitch issues. I think Brett Hodgson, when he spoke to the media on Sunday, he got asked about this game and he said, look, I'll go, go no, it don't matter. I've, I've, I ain't got many players available, so we'll go. I think Carlos Tumavave should be back. He's looking at Luke Gale will be back involved. I don't think the likes of Josh Reynolds and Shaw will be back, but even still, I think Sheffield, they've come up a really good victory against Whitehaven, but even still, I've seen them a few times. They don't look the best, Ethan, and I think against a team of Hull FC Sars, their pack will really struggle against Houghton, Sow and Satai. So I'm going to say Hullbar 36 in Featherstone. I, I, I agree with you there, Hull FC. With the players they've got missing, they've got to play a strong side, unlike you know, Saints from the, in the one we've just spoken about. Uh, Hull FC by 32 for me. John? Hull FC by 28. There is another game, and it is the other side of Hull. It is Hulkingston Rovers against the Lee Centurions, the fourth time in six years these clubs have met in the Challenge Cup. I'll be there for Prost RL, of course. 
I remember doing this game in 2020 and it was the day before lockdown and I was commentating. I remember my last words being on the line of, well, I don't know when we'll see Kingston Rovers again, but stay safe, guys. And I remember saying the players shouldn't be shaking hands as that causes coronavirus. But even still, it was a Nick Rosephorn try in the last minute that um, made Rovers 22 points to 20 victories. But I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm looking forward to seeing Lee tonight. That might impact them because they've got to play again in five days. But it'll be nice to see Rovers challenge Lee again. And I'm going to say, just Rovers by 14. I think it could swing either way. And Hull KR have got to be on the rear game because this Lee Centurion side have got some really good players. And I know Tony Smith and the lads won't be taking them lightly. But for me, maybe just fitness-wise and the fact that Hull KR, obviously a Super League team, might swing it just by 14, in my opinion, Ethan. This one's got the capability of being really tight, like, like the one you just said, tw- uh, 2020, yeah. or a runaway for KR. just depends, really, which KR team turn up. Yeah, it could it could be two points in it, or it could be twenty points in it, and I'm going to go for the latter. I think Hulk AR will play well and win well. I think they win by twenty points. Right, I said fourteen. Ethan said twenty. Sean, who's picking up the um, the victory? Is it the Robins or the Lavers? I'm going to say your boys KR, and I'm going to say by sixteen. Sixteen. So all in favour of Tony Smith's men. Featherstone Rovers um, travel to the south of France to take on the Catalan Dragons, which should be a really tasty affair and probably gives an indication, Ethan, where Featherstone are at as a club if they want to compete in Super League. I know they could have got an easier tie and they could have it'd been interesting to see how Catalan faced at the Millennium Stadium. I'd have liked to have seen that. I think it could be a really close game in the first 40, but again, that fitness and skill and intensity of the Dragons could see a runaway in the second half. And I'm going to say the Dragons by about 24 in the end yes I, th- I think the Dragons will win uh, it, it depends on will Catalans underestimate Featherstone will they will they rest a few will like the rest Tompkins or mm. the big forward pack they could underestimate them and it could be tighter than we expect with it being over in the south of France that massively weighs favour yeah. in the Dragons as you said if it was at Featherston, the Millennium Stadium, it could have been a really, really tight game, really good game to watch. Uh, but for me, I think the Dragons will have too much, especially last 20 minutes. I think they're winning by 18 points. Yeah, real good indication though, Sean, of how Brian McDermott's boys are going to go against, you know, the Super League big boys, isn't it? It should be an interesting tie. But again, I do think Catalan, what about you, mate? I'll say Catalan by 18. I think they'd have too much in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Probably the standout game, just for different reasons, is going to be at the Headingley Stadium. Now we know that Jamie Jones, Buchanan's lead runners, will be taking on Lee Radford's Castleford. It could go either way, Ethan. I am going to say, I'm going to go out there and say Radders is the cup king. People forget about his back-to-back victories. He loves the competition. I'm going to say Cass by 10. It's going to be close, but I think Castleford by 10 and the uh, the pressure could be on for the Heverington duo to get a coach in a sooner rather than later. This one's really interesting because normally when a coach leaves, you get the bounce back from the players and the yeah. new coach, but they haven't got anyone yet. They've only got Buchanan who has already been their player. Obviously, he's a legend at the club. Cass, on the other hand, aren't playing the best. They had a good 20 minutes away at Wigan, but they've got great form at Headingley against Leeds. Yeah, they do. For me, that's going to come into favour. Leeds down on troops as well. Tatevano suspended for this one again. Um, I will have to agree with you. I think Cass will pick up the victory, but I think it'll be tight. I think Cass by eight points. 
Sean, when teams are at the bottom and they're struggling, it can produce classic games. And this has the making of a Challenge Cup classic, I think, just for the different reasons. It's a really tight affair, two rivals going against it. Who goes away and gets into the quarterfinal at Emerald Headingley? Like you never know what's going to happen in the Challenge Cup. It's a one-off game, so I'm going to say Cass, golden point. I'm saying Gareth O'Brien drop goal. Ooh. Gareth O'Brien drop goal. You called it there. Put Bear your drama. money on. Bear drama on TV. Yeah, of course. That's what we love, don't we? And Sean, I'll come back to you. It's a repeat of last week's game. Warrington against Wakefield. Simply put, Warrington have to go big in the Challenge Cup. That's probably their, your main chance of success this season. I think just because of what happened last week, I think Daryl Powell will have laid into his team and called a few people out. I expect a response from Warrington. I think it will be close, but I'm going to say on Premier Sports, Warrington pick up the victory by 10. Um, I'm going to go Wakefield by 10. Oh, um, come on. Come on, don't be too thingy with yourself. Uh, I know we've got Charlie and Mullen back, but I just think Wakefield are just, are just good at the moment. That's two games we're against Toulouse and Warrington. Uh, but I'm going to say Wakefield by 10. Ethan? I've got the side of vote really here, haven't I? You've gone Warrington, Sean's gone Wakefield. Um, after watching the game on Saturday, I'm very conflicted here because you expect a response from Warrington. But Wakefield were very good and they dominated that pack. This is a tough one. I think this could be the closest game of the weekend. I am going to go for Warrington by two points. Oh. I think it'll be very close. I think there'll be a response from Warrington. I think they have to win, really. They have to win because if they're out of the Challenge Cup, they're way behind in the league form. They could end up having that mid-table finish that they had a few seasons ago. Yeah, If I'm totally honest... If we get beyond Sunday, I think Powell might go. I don't know, but I, I've got a feeling that he might go. Big call, big call. Mm. We love rugby league, don't we? The drama after six rounds in a Challenge Cup game. So the final game of round six is could be a classic and could be an upset. Barrow Raiders against Huddersfield. Ethan, I know Huddersfield are on form and obviously they've just lost against Hull FC. But even still, Barrow, it's a tough place to go. They're sitting second in the Championship. They're fear no one. They're an old-school rugby league team. It's going to be a boggy, tough pitch. What Huddersfield aren't used to, they like to play free-flowing. I think the likes of Chris Hill, Matty English, Danny Levi are massive on Sunday for Huddersfield. But for me, I think Barrow have got a chance. I don't know. Two points swung either way. I'd love to see Barrow go through, but I don't, you know, you never know, do you? Again, it's with, with, with playing the lower league sides, do championship players, they'll play the full strength, but do Huddersfield take the gamble, rest a couple. Will Price going to be missing. I think we're fair to say he's going to be missing this weekend. I don't know if, I don't think Farge is going to be back. So that's a no. half partnership there. Is Lola here going to be risked? Will he rest him? I think you're right. I think it'll be tight, but I think the I think Ian Watson side will just have enough. I think they'll win by ten points. Sean finishes off, mate, before the podcast ends. Who do you think the Giants or the Raiders? Who's going into the quarterfinal draw? I'll say Huddersfield by fourteen. I think they'll have too much for that barrel side. 
Yeah, but even still, we just love the Challenge Cup, don't we? And it's great to have that back. And of course, the game that's going live in about 20 minutes, Halifax against Lee Centurions on Premier Sports, should be an absolute classic. So, lads, it's been great to speak to you again. These weekly podcasts, you know, they're going to get bigger. We are tuning a few things out. We're new to doing this every week, but I've really enjoyed it. And obviously, keep following us, guys, on Prost. Follow the Rugby League Review. We've got Derek Beaumont on Wednesday and we'll be back next week. Ethan, it's been great to speak to you. Where are you this week? I will be at the DW on Friday night. DW on Friday night against Salford and Wigan. That should be a cracker. And Sean, good luck for Warrington on the weekend. Hope you're all right. Thank you for coming on the show again, buddy. Keep up the good work that you're doing. Oh, yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you very much. No worries. So thank you, guys. This has been the Rugby League Review with me, Joe Apliad, and our guests, Ethan and Sean. Thanks, guys. I will see you on Wednesday and I will see you next week for the next Rugby League Review weekly update. Thanks, everyone. See you later.